Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast episode of Alap. I am Nazia, and I'm here today with Ansha and Kaznova. And today we are continuing our parenthood series, and we're going to be focusing on pregnancy, maternal mental health, complications, challenges, and other struggles that come with being a new mom. Being a new mom definitely has a lot of challenges and struggles, which we as a society often don't notice and we don't often talk about, especially in the Bengali community. So today we're going to be focusing, we're going to um, bring awareness on those struggles and complications while also providing resources for support. Being a new mom myself, I have experience, I've had a lot of experience with good things and things that are not so good. Um, I've had my own struggles, my own complications, and my own problems being a new mom. It all seems perfect from the outside. It all It's a joyful moment and people are enjoying this moment. But at the same time, they're the, they're the other reality of being a parent um, for the first time. And that's adjusting, adjusting to a new life, adjusting to a new chapter, and being responsible for another human being who's an extension of you. With that being said, I just want to share my journey and my experience, which hasn't been a smooth sail. There have been tears. There have been bursts of anger. There have been outbursts. There have been arguments with my partner and my family, my family members. And that's something that we, we, we definitely need to talk about and normalize because that, that is part of the journey. You know, that's what makes this new chapter in your life so memorable and significant. Going through these struggles, going through these difficulties, trying to balance yourself, trying to not lose yourself while being responsible for another human being, while taking care of another human being. I myself, I don't want to be only known as a mother, a daughter, a sister, a wife, but I also want to be known just for being nausea. And all those other labels, I guess, they are an extension of that. So I think one thing that we should definitely talk about is how to not lose your individuality when you are a new parent or a new mom. We are also going to be talking about, you know, healthcare and what that's like for, you know, pregnant women and on those women who just gave birth, what, what's the routine? Um, what's the protocol? I think that's also very important to discuss, especially highlighting the healthcare and the services, you know, that one, one receives when pregnant. And also being pregnant as a woman of color. Uh, research shows that women of color, Native American women, women who identify as Asian American or Pacific Islander are 3.2 times higher to experience pregnancy-related deaths than white women. We also know that that applies to the African-American community as well as the Native American community. And we are not, we're not blind to that. And it has a lot to do with treatment from healthcare providers and the services that you receive. So I think hopefully this will be more educating opportunity for those of you who are planning to become parents or planning to become mothers and fathers and that you can get the support and have access to the support that you guys need or may need. Yeah, I think like 
what you were saying about like earlier about your identity was really important to like highlight a lot i know uh what oftentimes like what i hear is like kind of like the battle between the stay-at-home mom and like the mom who works and i've seen that there's like criticism on both ends and it's just really sad to witness because first of all it's actually no one else's business uh what you're doing with your own aspect of parenthood and motherhood like of course unless uh, like a child is being harmed it, there should not be like all of this judgment and criticism and i've seen like you know with people who end up being stay-at-home parents the judgment is more like oh like you know why aren't they also contributing to the household like oh wow must be nice or uh like wow that's like a full-time vacation um and then with the working parent it's like oh like wow look at that woman or parent like they care about their career so much um they don't even have time for their children and it's just sad because both of those careers have so many drawbacks to it as well as positives but it's like without realizing the drawbacks also I feel like you it's hard to empathize with both sides and again like with that judgment and harshness it's just really wrong to me um like for example with the stay-at-home parent I mean it is very easy to lose your individuality at that point if you are with children all the time and you're not communicating with other adults or having that interaction that maybe the rest of the world is having or it seems like they're having um kind of like that normalization of like interacting with adults or having um, a passion other than you know being with your children and like when people mention it's like a vacation it's like that's so false because you, it, taking care of another human is so much work and it is not limited to like a typical 40-hour week that you know you can end at 5 p.m. It, it starts way beyond 9 a.m. it's 24 hours and there is no compensation for it at the end of the day either and I know a lot of people will say like oh well you signed up for this but you know that's that's just not fair yes people did sign up to be parents but you know if we're not compassionate how are we supposed to have this like community or village of where uh we're supposed to have like families and things like that and yeah I mean did you have any experiences with that because I know you were you were mentioning to us before earlier um when we like earlier before we started recording that you know it was important for you to maintain your career because um, you really felt like connected to it and that it was really helping you mentally. Yeah, definitely. And all the things that you mentioned on show are very relevant to me and they're all valid points. I do want to make a point about what you said earlier about people saying that, well, you signed up for this. You made this choice. You took the step to become a parent or a mom or a dad. You know, I'll also get comments like, I can't imagine what it's like to be a, a mom and while working. And I, I respect that, you know, because this is a journey that's maybe not for everyone. And we have to respect each other. And we, like you said, we have to be compassionate to each other. I think being empathetic towards new moms who are really trying their best to balance family and work is crucial. Like you mentioned, there's enough backlash, there are enough criticisms just for being a mom itself because I feel like you're always under a microscope and you're always being watched on how you raise your child, how you nurture your child, how you take care of the entire family, really. Um, and so that's, that pressure is already there because it's not just from family and relatives and friends, it's also from society. Yeah, it's like are always going to be cemented there. So it's not even like about 
like of course having a supportive family or a partner and friends help but I mean the stigma and everything else is already there that hasn't been eradicated so it, it just way harder exactly because we have you know we have doctors and teachers and you know just people in you know in that authoritative position who are always I feel like they're always monitoring our parenting the child eating enough is the child growing at a steady rate is the child are there bruises and marks on the child right yeah. and we as parents we already have to answer to all of that so that pressure is already mounting it's already um it's it's very intense it's layered and then you have your family and friends who are criticizing you so it's a very delicate position to be in it's a very uncomfortable situation position to be in at times but at the end of the day you know as a as a mom you know in your heart what you're you know what you're doing for your child and what your child means to you and nobody can take that away from you i got a lot of criticism for going back to work and you know rather quickly right after i had my daughter and a month passed and i was like i'm going back to work and i went i went back to work um where i started teaching because teaching was one of my passions for a very long time and not only because teaching was my passion but also I like the flexibility I was still able to take care of spend a lot of time with my daughter but I was still able to stay connected to my career and what I love and it's it was very important for me because it helped me it helps me through you know my journey in becoming a new mom especially with my mental health I felt like because I was connected to my work because I was connected to something that I enjoyed doing my mental health was better and I was, and because my mental health was better, I was able to become, I was able to be a better mom for my daughter. So people often, you know, they don't understand that and then they just look at it from the outside, but there are reasons, right? And there are also moms who have no choice but to go back to work right away, either because they're a single mom or because they just don't have that much of support. Turning leave is not even a real thing in our country. Um, it's very limited based off of where you work, which is unfortunate because it really should be like a universal thing. Absolutely. There's a lot of debate around maternity leave. There's people are pushing for better maternity leave for moms. So the company that I worked at, uh, there was something called family leave, but there's a trick. In order to receive that, you have to be as having a disability. And pregnancy is not a disability. Pregnancy is nowhere near a disability. I had a, I was lucky enough to have a really understanding OBGYN who actually said, no, it's not a disability. And so I made the choice to not accept that and just get, have the time off. I didn't even want to get paid because, you know, I'm not going to put myself in that position. Do people do it? Yes, absolutely. It's not really called a disability, but it's there to you know receive that the receive that compensation but yes i do agree that maternity leave should be better and child care should be better the other day i saw a post by vice president kamala harris about that there has to be some changes made to child care especially because of the you know because of moms you know they feel that women need to contribute more to the economy and just the overall productivity of this country it's really interesting that you guys are mentioning all of this like I didn't had no idea like you could have seen my facial expression I had no idea about how like it's a disability and 
pregnancy is not counted as that. I had no idea about any of that. That's just horrible, in my opinion. But, like, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about other criticisms where it's, like, I don't know if this still happens in our, like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's happened thus far in other, like, Bengali households, but I feel like a weird connotation that I feel like still occurs in some households is that, like, they can, like, parents and relatives can be okay with the fact that a mom is working, but I feel like they, in the back of their heads, has this mindset that, oh, once they have a kid, they're not going to work as much. And I feel like they're like, yeah, 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 you can work, you can do whatever you want, do what you love. But then the second a kid shows up, they're like, you're not, what are you doing? Why, like, you should take more time off, you should be taking care of your kid, like, why are you not focusing on your child like why why does your work matter your husband can do that and I'm like relax I don't know if that still occurs nowadays but yeah it does and it's like even from like a perspective of like not having children it's also like all right like why is it such a bad thing if you want to work less also we don't owe our whole lives to our work it is great to have a passion and a career and um if you want to work more or less, I just think it's not anyone's business. Tying back to what you were saying about um, not like knowing about disability and things like that, I was more exposed to these policies as well. Uh, not because like I was trying to have children myself, but because like a lot of my coworkers, like I'm a nurse and I work with um, a lot of moms and a lot of new moms also. Um, and like just witnessing what they have to go through in order to get these really like lackluster of benefits that aren't really even benefits are just like, it's really disgusting because I like asked some of them like, oh, hey, like walk me through the process of your maternity leave. And it's like, uh, we work for like a pretty good company with good benefits too and like even at a good company with good benefits quote unquote you have to like accumulate all of your sick time which can be used also in terms of like the maternity leave then while filing for things like disability or fmla and then when you do file for those things you don't get your full paycheck you get like a small percentage which like goes up every year like from just policies changing but it is nowhere near like other countries like such as Canada where you can get up to like 18 months off with like a, like a lot of your salary or um, like paid benefits or like child tax credits and things like that. So I mean when I found out about the sick leave I was just like hold on like who's sick here? Like you know it's not like again they had to accumulate vacation time, sick time and then even with all of that I mean you how much are you accumulating really only like a few months at that point. And that's like if you're lucky enough to accumulate. But then keep in mind, if you're even family planning to this point, you would have had to know beforehand at the beginning of the year, like, hey, I need to stop calling out sick or I need to stop going on vacations because my so-called vacation is going to be motherhood. And it's just, it's ridiculous to me that like, you know, even after like these people end up having their children, they're not going to be able to take time off after because they used up their whole bank for maternity leave like there's no default maternity leave and I honestly didn't really know in detail I knew like America had really bad maternity leave but I didn't realize it was to the extent of like even if you're working at a good company it's like uh, limited to you accumulating things absolutely yeah and when I was pregnant with my first um, child I was not aware of 
the details, the minute details. Um, and so I had to ask around and the whole process was just very daunting. I was not going to take disability because being pregnant does, does not mean that you have a disability. And when I used to hear about other people going on maternity leave, I'd be like, oh, it's a smooth sail process. But in reality, I agree, it's not, you know, it's not a smooth sail because you have to, and there's a lot of paperwork involved, right? You have to yeah. get, um signatures from your doctors you have to explain you have to justify everything so you can get approved for that speaking of doctors physicians you know there have been reports from women of color which include african-american women native american women um hispanic and asian american south pacific islander about you know that they're you know they, that they did not feel heard by their physicians that they felt the language oftentimes the language that is used is not sensitive, were state phrases like failure to progress in labor, labor um, failure to be induced, you know, baby is in a bad position. Those are very triggering um, phrases. Those are very insensitive phrases. And, and that in itself make the moms nervous. I mean, it's already stressful to give birth to a child. But on top of that, to hear all those kinds of, you know, extreme phrases from physicians, that's even more that adds on to that anxiety and stress. So I definitely heard that from um, my physician. Actually, my primary OBGYN was not even there when I was induced. And there were different doctors coming in and out. Um, it was a very, very horrible experience. Um, I was induced, nothing was happening for three days. And then eventually, you know, I had to um, have a C-section. And it's not easy to talk about because it was just, it's, some, it's just something that, you know, you, you don't imagine happening. Um, when you are about to give birth or you are in the process of giving birth and because of you know because I think there was a lot of confusion there weren't enough people there weren't enough staff the day that I went into the hospital there were different doctors from the department coming in and out to the point where I developed fluid in my lungs which caused me to you know um, have difficulty breathing and I was and the nurses over there were just like oh it's probably the temperature it's probably your hormones and so one and then until an anesthesiologist actually came on and said no um you're you're coughing um quite a lot um let's check let's do an x-ray let's do a chest x-ray um and that's when they found out that there was fluid in my lungs and you know there was it was taken out they gave me an oxygen mask and then um i just had to get the c-section done very 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 interesting experience which is why i chose to pursue a different physician for my second child and I think Mount Sinai is a great place. If anyone is interested in knowing about pregnancy care, I would say Mount Sinai OBGYN has one of the best departments in, in the state, in the country. My OBGYN is very amazing. She's straightforward. She's honest. She's committed to her patients. Is she being, like, culturally sensitive or, like... Yes, yeah, she is being culturally sensitive, and she's actually patient-centered. So she will ask her patients, you know, what's your history and what do you want to do, Right. Do you, what do you want to do? Do you want a normal delivery or do you want a C-section? What is it that you want? I'm so um, sorry that happened to you. And it, it just sounds like <laughs> such a horrible experience. And like, it's totally unacceptable. And it just sounds like, you know, you weren't being taken seriously, which is one of the main things that um, all these tragedies do happen to women of color. It's because they aren't taken seriously compared to like research literally shows that healthcare providers won't listen to complaints. Um, there's also uh, research that shows that healthcare providers believe that people of color um, 
have a higher pain tolerance than like white patients and again like no one should be in healthcare if they're actually listening to these biases that aren't true and um again if you're not like culturally sensitive or just really listening to your patient and you're you're just not going to be able to treat the patient like it sounds like you aren't taken seriously about the fluid in your lungs when you clearly knew how you felt and you know you said that you had like a shortness of breath and that should have been taken seriously and it, it seems like it wasn't until like a bunch of other physicians came just want to add that I am also so sorry that that's the first experience that you had in giving birth to your first child, Nazia. That must have been so traumatizing, as you mentioned. And just trying to relate in some capacity here, like I don't have a child, uh, I'm not a mother, but my parents tell me the story of how I was born and it was also traumatic from what they told me and like I almost lost my mom from this experience. Basically, my mom was brought to the hospital really early on, like earlier than my, what my due date was supposed to be. And so she went to the hospital and they started doing checkups on her. And they mentioned that the baby, I like flipped, I guess, like my head was on her, like where her stomach was. So that was very scary. And they wanted to do immediate C-section. So they brought my mom and they started to do the C-section. And I think along the way, my parents mentioned that I think this was after I was able to come out, like they got me out. I think as they were trying to clean up and take care of my mom, they by accidentally cut a vein. And so then my mom started bleeding a lot and she lost a lot of blood and it was just a lot of negligence and a lot of mistreatment to my mom because once that was done, it was as if like nothing ever happened. They didn't feel scared or guilty and I I think a part of that had to do with the fact that my mom and dad were like of the minority group. I, my parents still to this day said like, oh, we should have sued them because they didn't care. It was negligence and wanting to finish the procedure quickly to go to the next patient that's not caring for the actual patient at hand that's not giving her exactly what she needed at the time and giving her your undivided attention so that's very scary and again like this was in 1998 when I was born but like I feel like this can still and probably has still happened nowadays where doctors and surgeons who are very careless at what they do and don't care about the patient at all that they just this is just another body that I have to cut in and do the work and then sew it back up and then on to the next one. It's very harsh and scary to say it that way, but I feel like some doctors and surgeons are like that, that they don't really care about their patients. And it's scary and horrible to think that there's people who are taking care of my body or your body or your parents' body and not who are in charge of their body and not really caring for it so it is very scary and like there is a lot of negligence in in terms of caring for mothers or soon-to-be mothers but yeah I just wanted to add that just to show again that not everyone has a perfect like nice experience when it comes to delivering a child and just as Naziat's struggles have gone through and my mom has gone through similar issues like that as well and probably other mothers listening to this might relate as well and that 
future moms could look out for this and be prepared to ask important questions and to validate for yourself and stand up for yourself. So like, how does it work in terms of like, let's say you see an OBGYN, but how are are you usually supposed to be guaranteed like that person is the one that's supposed to deliver your baby? Yeah, yeah. So um, before I answer that, I, I, I want to say I, I do want to share that um, I was very lucky. I was very lucky to, you know, deliver my baby and still be healthy. And I'm just grateful that um uh, myself and the baby were healthy and that there were no other complications yeah. after that. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And I also want to say that, you know, uh, not all, this is not to ba- bash all OBGYN or all healthcare providers yeah. because there are some amazing ones. And my, so my situation was a little different because my OBGYN also happened to be pregnant um, and she had to go on leave. Um, a month before I was due, but if had she been there, I know that had she been there, this could have all been prevented because she was very culturally sensitive and she was very supportive. She really attended to my needs, always asking if, you know, there were any complications or, and she always made me feel at ease. She always made me feel less anxious and less nervous. So I, I, I'm confident had she been there, this all could have perhaps been avoided. However, there have been many articles, actually many posts on social media and um, journals and news articles about women not being taken seriously by nurses and physicians, um, especially when their water breaks or, you know, when when they feel those, um, you know, that pain, that labor pain that comes up. And oftentimes, you know, they're dismissed for um, their concerns. And it, it, it's truly not fair to those women. Um, I think as a society, we need to raise more awareness about maternal health, also just maternal mental health, because it leaves you with, you know, it, it leaves a toll on your, you know, on a woman's mental health post delivery of the yeah. baby. Do you feel like you uh, like found, I know you were mentioning that like working really helped you and having like supportive friends and family and a partner. Like, do you have any other resources for people who are listening who might, you know, uh, that you think they could benefit from something like maybe like a platform or an app or something? Absolutely. There's a lot, especially now, there are a lot of um, apps, platforms for women to feel connected to friends and other women who have experienced, um, either postpartum, depression, the baby blues, what they call it. And the first step is to be really aware of those symptoms, right? Those thoughts, those negative thoughts. So there's an app called Tina, P-E-A-N-U-T. And it's a safe and confidential app for um, women to get connected to other women who are experiencing, you know, either postpartum depression, the baby blues, um, just, or just, you know, just about anything or just struggling to be a new parent, undergoing also undergoing menopause. So it's a very, very safe platform for women to use, uh, especially after becoming a mom. There is a Instagram page that I find very helpful, which has a lot of resources. It's called Postpartum Stress. And actually, there's a post that um, I want to share where it talks about what, what four things that you can do to feel better by restoring the parasympathetic balance. So our nervous system plays a huge part in our mental health. 
And there are some really there are some really key steps that you can take to kind of feel better in the moment. And that's breathing, exposing yourself to cold water, singing, humming and exercise. And I can share that post with you guys um, as well. So if you look on um, Instagram, if you look, check out the peanut app. And also, you you know, if you talk to your healthcare provider, um, the OBGYN department, they also have uh, resources where they can connect you to a therapist or social worker. And you can, you know, get connected to a therapist right away and begin your journey of therapy if you are interested. So I hope this was helpful and this was, you know, this was uh, informative for those individuals who are planning to become parents or moms. But please understand that there is help out there, that you are not alone in this journey. And, you know, a lot of the things that you may be worried about or are experiencing already is, you know, is also happening to others as well. As long as we keep having these open conversations and really like acknowledging that like I think empathy is really important for parenthood and like really trying to not judge others and to know that there is no perfect parenthood situation and that everyone is going to have a struggle and at the end of the day they're probably not going to post that on their social media page they're probably going to post like a really cute picture like with their baby and smiling and happy but like you know we know like the real reality of like how much really goes into all of that and um it's important that we really try to highlight that and know that you know, there's a community and that we as a society need to also like acknowledge everything that we talked about today. The last little bit I'll mention is that I think everyone makes mistakes. So I think even that comes in hand with parenthood. I think not every single day you're going to know what your kid wants, what's going on with your kid. If your kid falls down the street or falls off the flight of stairs, like things happen People, like, kids are supposed to get hurt. That's a part of growing up and living through your childhood. I, I still have stitches when I was three years old on my forehead. So, like, it, things happen, but that doesn't mean that, like, other people have to pass judgment on how you parent and so on and so forth. Everyone makes mistakes. So I, I hope that this episode helps anyone know that you're not alone, that there is help. It might take a little bit more of you asking for specific needs, like is there a therapist that you can connect me to? Is there like any other resources that you can give me, like talking to OBGYN? Like maybe sometimes you have to be the one to go up and ask for what you need. But ultimately, you're not alone, and that there are other support groups and apps, like Naziat mentioned, that will help mothers connect with other mothers and. There's a bunch of mom internet uh, like people on Instagram always talking about things. And yes, they might be just promoting happy, cute little things. But at the same time, they sometimes in rare moments, they do post like realism and what they're really going through, like uh, imperfections that they're dealing with, how their body looks at postpartum and how they're trying to get back into shape and whatnot. So like there is always places to look for guidance and look for help and look for advice but you just have to sometimes look for it but ultimately i hope that this episode helps anyone who's listening and all the descriptions and articles that we were talking about will be mentioned in the description and we hope to see you or hear from you again next month bye